Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me on the Janice Dean Podcast. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and many of us have friends or family who have had it touch their lives. Breast cancer remains the second leading cause of cancer death among women overall and the leading cause of cancer death among Hispanic women. Each year in the United States, about 264,000 cases of breast cancer are diagnosed. About 42,000 women and 500 men in the U.S. die each year from breast cancer. I'm so fortunate to have both my friends and colleagues, Jerry Willis and Jackie DeAngelis, with me today to talk about their experience living with breast cancer. Jerry was diagnosed in 2016, while Jackie received her diagnosis just last year. Her mammogram was delayed by six months because of the pandemic. Both women have such valuable information and life experiences to share, and I'm so blessed to have them here with me today. Jackie, I'm going to start with your story. First of all, when did you get to Fox? I came to Fox in April of 2019, so I've been here three and a half years, but it was such a weird three and a half years, Janice, because like the first year I just, you know, work, 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 then the pandemic. I still feel like I don't know anybody. I can help you out in that department. <laughs> Everybody's really good here. I'm sure that you experienced that uh, when you got your diagnosis. Yeah, I really did. Work has been a tremendous um, place of support for me. I have made friends. I'm, I'm exaggerating my experience because of the pandemic, but I do have a lot of great friends here who have been supportive. Um, and management was very supportive also, telling me to take the type you know of time that I needed. Everyone heals differently um, when they're diagnosed with breast cancer, depending on what kind of treatment that they receive. And so... Um, if it wasn't for my family and my Fox family, I don't think I could have made it. Oh, but you're a strong lady, and you find out how strong you are when you have something like this happen. I would say um, you really do. I feel like God gives us challenges in life, and, and you're um, forced in some ways to step up to the plate and see what you can handle. Um, I was diagnosed in 20. 21. Um, I'll start by saying that I turned 40. Doctor said you should go for a mammogram. Um, that wasn't available to me at the time because of, of COVID. All the facilities were shut down. We weren't going in for our tests and to see doctors. Um, so it took roughly six months for me to get an appointment. And it was New Year's Eve. They were trying to go in overdrive to get people in, you know, working till 9, 10 o'clock at night with the machines. And so I went in thinking it was not a big deal, routine kind of thing. I didn't even tell my mother I was going. Um, and afterwards, um, Dr. Radiologist walks in, person I'd never met before, and tells me that she spotted suspicious cells. Um, so, you know, at that moment, your heart just drops because you know that they're not telling you that if they don't have concern that it could be something. Mm -hmm. um, so we scheduled a biopsy and uh, it was actually pretty invasive, not what I was expecting at all. I thought it would be a simple needle biopsy, like I'm sitting up and someone just puts a needle in. It wasn't like that. Um, very, very detailed procedure. And they said the biopsy was so important because they had to get specifically to that right spot. Um, so I found out about the diagnosis in a weird way, and I don't blame the hospital for this, but everything is on our phones now. I get a, test, a text message that says, your, your test results are, are in the app, you oh. know? So I go into the app, and I pull this thing up, and I don't understand it, and I don't understand the words, and I start Googling carcinoma, and Google told me I had cancer. Um, the radiologist did call a few minutes later. She had gotten the results as well so that she could explain them to me, but that was the state, you know, the state of affairs, the way it was. And it just, it was a lot to 
to take? I don't I can't I don't even know what to say. I feel like that, I mean, do you think it was the pandemic? That why you got a no one a human being didn't tell you? No, I think it was just bad timing. I think um, you know, the the alerts pop up and then and she tried to call me as soon as she could, but obviously I was so concerned about it that immediately I I got on the Google machine and I'd advise anybody who has any kind of illness or even a cold not to self-diagnose and not to start doing that until you can speak to a human. And what did you do from there? Um, from there, I went into, you know, straight into action mode. So by this point, my mother was filled in and she's like my partner in crime. Um, and we had a, um, a woman that a doctor, uh, that I had seen many years ago, I'd felt a lump, like it just was like a little cyst or whatever, but I showed my mother, I was 17, 18. We went to see, um, this doctor at Columbia and she checked me out. She said, you're fine. This is not a problem. But because I was a previous patient of hers, because I sort of felt like I knew her. And now she was one of the top surgeons in New York City. Um, I reached out to her and she remembered me and she said, we're going to take care of you. She said, NYU now. Mm. And that's one of the most important things, you know, when you're diagnosed with something is to have the support of a doctor. Yeah. Right. I mean, I have multiple sclerosis, but I remember being diagnosed and the neurologist that diagnosed me had zero bedside manner. He just basically threw me some steroids and said, come see me in six months after saying you probably have multiple sclerosis. And I just was I I needed somebody to hold my hand. Yeah. And that's something I think we need to teach doctors. Compassion. Exactly. Oh, Janice, I'm sorry to hear that. But I will tell you from my experience at NYU, compassion was the highest priority on the list. Um, so when I sat down with the doctor, she basically explained what my options were. No judgment, just put them on the table. She said, you have stage one cancer. The good news here is that we caught it early. And that's why, you know, doing the podcast today, I want to emphasize for anyone who's listening, early detection, go for your mammogram because this situation could have been so such a worse situation for me had I f found out a year or two down the line. So that's number one. Um, but number two, because I caught it early, I had better treatment options. Mm. So um, she explained to me I could have a lumpectomy, remove the cancerous cells, go through radiation and chemotherapy, and then set option two. She said, some people don't want to do this. You might. You can remove your breast. Um, if you do that, because we caught it so early, you wouldn't need the chemo. You wouldn't need the radiation, which, you know, are so hard yeah. on the body. And um, I wasn't particularly a person who was attached to my breast. I just wanted the cancer to be gone. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I not only opted for that, I actually I did a double because I don't want to worry about it for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. That maybe something spread or there was, you know, one cell that got away. And um, that was the option that I had. I also had reconstruction both my surgeons performing the surgery that day, they held my hand and they oh. walked me into the operating room. They were just like... That brings me to tears. It's... If you have that person that will hold your hand through it, it's like, it's... You can't put a price on that. Yeah. So. Did you have cancer in your family? No cancer in my family. Um, we had a history of heart disease. I always thought if I was going to have a problem, it would be that... And that's why I take care of myself. I exercise. I run um, all the time. I, you know, have a pretty good diet. Um, I always get my blood work done. All my numbers have always looked good. So, Janice, this really, like, came out of the blue for me because I kind of thought that I was a picture of health. And with no history, it was like, I have breast cancer? Are you mm -hmm. kidding? 
how could it be me? But then I say to people, how could it not be me? It's also very random. And I have sat back and tried to think, what what caused this? What happened? And the doctors would say, if we knew what caused it, nobody would have it anymore. So mm-hmm. stop thinking that way. Um, but that's also the reason that I tell people, don't delay the mammogram. Because if it could happen to me and I just didn't see it coming and was blindsided, I don't want it to happen to you. But it could. And again, the early detection is, is key, I think. Yeah. Let's bring Jerry mm-hmm. in. Well, Jerry, um, you are, I, you're a hero. You really are. I'm just going to start off with that. I don't know about that. You are. Um, so just accept it. <laughs> you don't have the cape on, but I know you have one at some point. You know, somewhere in your closet, you should have a cape. Um, Jackie was telling me about her diagnosis um, at 40 and thinking that this wasn't going to be me. What happened with you? So I was diagnosed uh, six years ago and diagnosed, I had a mammogram six months before that was clear. But by the time I kind of clued into the fact that my body wasn't acting right, my right nipple was inverted. So think about that. Mm. You can't miss that, right? But your mind plays funny tricks on you and doesn't want to accept reality. And that's where I was. So uh, I went to my primary care physician. She took one look at me and she said, we're going to send you to be biopsied. And I said, well, I'm available next week. This is how like I couldn't, how much I could not accept this. And she said, no, you're going this afternoon. Oh my goodness. So I had, my journey was really, it took me a long time to embrace what this was and what it meant and how long it was going to take, resisting it every, now we're at the surgery and then the chemo and then on and on and on. But finally, I came to a point where I was like, okay, you can either embrace this and make the most of it and walk ahead and really get well. That's your job right now. That's your only job right now. The people at Fox made it possible that that was my only job. Yeah, I know what that's like. Uh, You know, having a chronic illness when I was newly diagnosed 2005, it wasn't like, well, when can we see you back in the office? It was like, whatever you need to do, you you just call us whenever you need anything, not like when you're coming back. Um, And that is, I think that's rare. It is. It's an amazing story. And, uh, you know, I would get calls from the office that would be like, do you need something? Can Can we get something for you? You have no idea. And then the Fox audience I, I just got so much support from them, uh, you know, on social media. How you doing? Are you doing well? You look good in that picture. Have you tried this? Mm. My wife had that. Unbelievable. So you denied it, and then you finally had to say, this is my reality. What happened next? So the point at which I kind of turned over was uh, – my uh, final of my fourth of eight chemo treatments. And by this point, it was the red devil. So that really corrodes your veins. They couldn't get a needle into my veins because they kept collapsing. Mm -hmm. Tried six times. And I was out of my mind, right? I was so anxious. My shoulders were at my ears. My hands were clenched. And these women, the nurses were fabulous, right? Oh my gosh, our nurses are angels. But I, I suddenly thought... 
this could be your worst day of treatment or it could be your best. It's on you. You mm. are part of this. It's not just the people who are treating you. You play a role, right? Mm. And that's the moment that I turned around. And so, you know, four months later, I'm bringing Christmas gifts to the radiation therapist. You know, like it just... I realized what was going on. Spent a lot of time in the country and nature walking. It was a spiritual journey as much as anything. Did you feel like you might die? I tried not to look that in the face. Mm. That to me, I, I mean, I was stage three. It was not pretty. But I couldn't, I just couldn't focus on that. And an interesting story, uh, when I was at MSK, that's where I got treated here in New York City, I met a woman who said to me, you know, one of these groups of, you know, survivors talking, she turned to me and she said, Jerry, I wake up every morning and think, when am I going to have it again? Mm. And I looked at her and said, you can't live that way. Yeah. That's a non-starter. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm at. Did you have cancer in your family? Yeah, I had an aunt on my father's side who had breast cancer and then breast cancer again, but that's really it. And they did not take it into consideration. They were like, that's not enough mm. of a history, really, mm. for us to consider it hereditary. Mm -hmm. Jackie, when did you call Jerry? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. A couple of days after my actual diagnosis, I was coming into work and I just was in this complete daze, but I was coming here. Um, just to have some sort of semblance of, of normalcy at that time. And we had put our treatment plan in place. I felt much better once I had my plan in place with my doctors, but it was terrifying. And I just walked around the office, you know, kind of crying all the time and mm. hiding in my closing the door. And it, it just, it just jilts your reality in this way that I can't explain. It's the only thing you can think about and focus on. So I called Jerry and we had a conversation about it, told her what my plan was. And you know, she told me what had happened to her. And obviously, everyone's situation is completely different. But just having somebody understand what I was going through um, was huge. And then one day, um, shortly after that, I was in the kitchen. And Kaylee McEnany and Emily Campagno came down. And they just bopped down for a cup of coffee. And they said, hi, good morning. And I just started sobbing. Mm. And uh, they asked me what was wrong. And I was very open about it. Some people keep it in. For me, it was easier to talk about it. So I told them what was happening. And I was about a week out of my surgery. And I was terrified. And I had read about Kaylee's story that she had the proactive double mastectomy. And, you know, they just, I didn't know these girls aside from seeing them on television. And they just hugged me and they told me everything was going to be okay. And when I saw, you know, Jerry getting through it, when I saw Kaylee was okay and she got through it, I said, you know what? That's when I had the aha moment you're talking about. And I said, I can do this. I can do this too. But my mental state and how I approach it is going to be so, so important. And so I just flipped the switch on myself. And instead of feeling bad about it, I just said, accept what's happening to you, but be as strong as you can. And part of my recovery, I stayed with my brother in New Jersey. And um, he was working at home because the pandemic, he took care of me. And he would just say, like, you're so upbeat. And you're so, you know, I was just lying on the couch. I couldn't do much. Um, but I just said, I knew inside having a positive attitude was going to be make or break for this. I think that's really yeah. true. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. For me, thank God for Neil Cavuto yeah. because he had MS and he was working and I was able to look at an example of someone who had 
what I was just diagnosed and say, oh my gosh, he's doing it, so why can't I do it? And I'll never forget the day where I went into his office and he turned off the TV and he sat me right next to him and he brought the Kleenex over and and just listened to me. And then he just listened to me and told, and I was I was like, who's gonna wanna marry me? Who's gonna wanna work with me? I'm gonna be in a wheelchair. And he just, he just said, well, you're working at a great place and uh, they will build us his and her wheelchair ramps. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. Yeah. And um, so I think it's really important to have somebody that's going through the same thing. Because as much as your spouse or your family can tell you it's going to be okay, it's really that person who has it, who has gone through the same thing that tells you that there's this window of sunshine, like you're going to be okay. I promise you're going to be okay. And you work at a place that will support you whatever happens. So I feel that I'm so glad you had each other. I, I just feel like that is such a blessing. Yes, it is a blessing. And the other thing you get from people who've been through it are those critical tips about yes. how to survive it. They know the effects of specific chemos. They can tell you how to help yourself. All of that, you've got to have a posse. You have to be surrounded by people. I know women who have isolated themselves through this. Mm. It's not a good scenario. You really need to find friends. And if you don't have them in your family or you don't have them near you, you can it, often hospitals will help you. Whoever's treating you will ha help you hook up with a group of people who are going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. Well, even just hearing this, you know, even like hearing people going through something. And that's why it's also really important to be open and honest. I know, Jackie, you mentioned about people sometimes they feel better if they keep it all inside. But I just feel like it's better to lead by example and to talk about it back when I was diagnosed in 2005, I was told to not tell anybody. Mm. Oh, yeah. Really? From people in the business. They were like, you know, you shouldn't admit it. Um, people are going to look at you differently. Oh. Yeah. I got a lot of that, actually. You uh, Can I just say, Janice, your whole story is inspirational to us every day. Well. Seriously. I look at you, and you talk about Hero. You've been walking this walk for a long time. Well, I, I did too. And even though we didn't have the same thing, you mentioned Neil. I looked at you and Neil and said, I know it's not the same thing, but if they can do it, I can definitely Aww. do it. You, ha I think it's so important for people to see examples of despite the odds, you're beating it. Right. Or despite the challenge, you're meeting it. Um, and so, you know... I feel like you're right. The message is don't be closed off. Talk to people. Try to find people that are going through the same thing because you're right. Like Neil and I will have conversations about the medicine that we're on or the doctors or um, and just those moments are really important for your health, but also for your sanity too. you know, like somebody else is doing the same thing you are. And can I just make a pitch here, please? Yes. Which is. You don't have to die from breast cancer, okay? Right. This is why getting tested is so critical. Get a mammogram, get one every year. Try, if you can, to get it from the same provider so they get to know your breast tissue. Mm. They understand what you look like. They know what's strange or weird. Check yourself in the shower. 
all of this can be done quickly and painlessly. And, you know, fingers crossed you have health care insurance to help pay for this. But at the end of the day, you can save yourself so much hassle, mm. so much anxiety, so much worry and fear, not just for you, but also for your family. Mm-hmm. Well, even this past year, and I've gone and gotten regular mammograms, but I had like a cyst. And you could tell when they looked at the imaging, like, oh, we need to look at this a little bit closer. And it's that moment of, oh, my goodness. Like your life, you're just like, please, you know, let this be okay or let me be able to face this um, because you're alone in that room when you're waiting for this, the specialty doctor to come in and examine and that you watch the faces of your providers, the yeah. nurses. Oh, yeah. And I, I'll never forget when they were looking at my imaging and they were about to diagnose no smiles, yeah. mm. stony face. I was like, oh, I know no. it's coming. You know, Jackie talked about the nurses that took her hand. And I spoke about my diagnosis, trying to find a neurologist that did have a good bedside manner because I, re- I need that, right? I can't have somebody looking at their watch. And right. how, did, how did you fare with your doctors? Well, uh, understandably, the breast cancer surgeon, type A, super, people in the building were scared of her. I, I had talked to other doctors who were like, oh, mama, mama. but she was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But it was ultimately other doctors in the circle who were much warmer. And, you know, I still get tested there. I still see all of these doctors. And it's so funny because it was critical to me to have uh, faith in them. Right. And to this day, I love them. Do Mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. I just feel like these are the people who saved my Mm -hmm. life. Mm. I have great respect for them. Uh, You know, people who go through those, oh, I hate this doctor. And I, you know, you've got to find somebody you're comfortable with and that you have respect for and confidence in because that's what's going to, you know, a lot of doctors can treat this. You need the one that's right for you. Hmm. Yeah, I say you have to click with your doctors. I happen to click with mine immediately, but I know people who haven't. And I've said, you know what, then you should interview other doctors because mm-hmm. you really just need to feel like not only are they capable of saving your life, but that they're your friends and they care about you too. Yeah, sometimes that can't be taught. But God bless our doctors. Let's talk about the pandemic because a lot of us didn't go and get our mammograms. Right. Absolutely right. And I think the mammograms alone dropped 64%. And Janice, they're still not back. We're still 15% below the mammogram levels of pre-COVID. Think about that. What are the long-term implications of that? That's not good. Breast cancer diagnoses, still 8% below pre-COVID. Does that mean people aren't getting breast cancer? No, it does not. It Mm. means it's not being diagnosed. So you think... Oh, I'll wait six months. I'll wait 12 months. I'll wait 18 months. It doesn't really matter. It matters. Mm. Like I said, I was six months from my last test to full-blown stage three lobular breast cancer. Wow. Wow. And Jackie, I mean, Jackie went and got her mammogram done in the pandemic. I did, but it was six months delayed. I'm not sure in my case, particular case, that made a difference, but I do think about it, right? And I do think about if I wouldn't have made that appointment on New Year's Eve, maybe somebody else would have said, it's my first mammogram. I don't need to go on New Year's Eve. Like, I'll do it in six months from now. But I went, and I really credit that with saving my life. Mm. So I just... Smart girl. You know, smart girl. I, when the doctor tells you to do something, you have to go do it. Yeah. Yeah. So... 
I do want to talk about the mama van. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Because that's something that happen, should happen with every business. So, you know, we had done a lot of breast cancer stuff here at Fox that I'd been heavily involved in. And coming out of the pandemic, I wanted to up the ante. I wanted something else to give Fox women. Because as you know, this is an incredible group of people. So I came up with this idea of getting a mammogram van. I'm on the board of the American Cancer Society here in New York, and somebody mentioned that there was such a thing. I was like, what? We need that. So uh, locking it in was not difficult, but there were lots of, you know, there's a lot of legal issues and insurance issues you have to work through. And another woman, Lauren Hallam in HR here, took the lead. She worked so hard for that, and I was so pleased we could bring that to Fox Women. We want to expand that program, do more with it, offer it to women under 40 who don't have insurance to pay for their test Mm. next year. So watch out, world. We're coming with more. (laughs) Is it 40? Is that when people start getting? Annuals. Okay. And if you look, if you have a family history, you can get a mammogram, but it's not, it can be dicey, questionable. We just want to get women in and get tested. Let's mm-hmm. just go see. Let's yeah. just baseline what's going on. And uh, I, I also want to demystify the mammogram. Like people worry about going, it's going to hurt. They smash your boobie. <laughs> Let me tell you what hurts. It's not the mammogram. Right. It's getting treated. Yeah. So I would say, you know, drop your fears at the door and get it done. Yeah. It's just like anything else, right? Like people will go and get their teeth cleaned three times a year, but they won't get the mammogram. Do you mm. know what I mean? It's time to give that equal effort. Mm-hmm. Do you think you changed after the diagnosis in that? Do you look at your attitude or what was most important before you were diagnosed and then how you see yourself now? A hundred percent. I think it's impossible for that not to happen after you go through this kind of experience. Um, I think that I really try not to sweat the small stuff. I mean, I joke about this and it's a silly thing to say, but like the bar of a good day, you know, like like <laughs> that has, has dramatically, you know, changed. And, and so um, as long as, you know, my family is healthy and I'm healthy and, and things are good with that respect. Like my day could be great. I could have the world blow up at work. I could have whatever happens. It's just, it's, it just doesn't matter. Your perspective changes in that regard. And also during my treatment it was so interesting because there were certain people who just stepped up above and beyond mm. some of them out of the woodwork and I didn't see it coming. Some of them that I expected. And then there were some people I expected to be there for me who couldn't. And your view on who's in your inner circle really changes. And you see the people who have compassion and empathy and are able to lift you up Mm. at a time when, you know, it's just really difficult. Yeah, that's that's perspective, Mm -hmm. right? What about you, Jerry? So I'm further out uh, six years and uh, it stays with you. It's not something that ever, ever goes away. And I find myself continuously on a journey to find more spiritual meaning in what I'm doing. Mm. Um, I was able to connect with that during treatment. I spent a lot of time outside praying, going to church. And all of that was deeply meaningful for me. My brother's a Presbyterian minister. He came and saw me and stayed with me and offered his support. And I just started to understand 
I guess, understand things at a deeper level. I mean, I don't, I'm no Spengali, okay? I'm just a girl from North Carolina. But um, I felt like I connected with people generally in a deeper way. Mm. You know, you, you start seeing, you know, like you get so caught up in everything, especially if you're in television. And mm-hmm. uh, I slowed that down. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. You know what else I thought uh, that I gained from the experience in terms of perspective and attitude change? Do it now. So my whole life was based on when this happens, I'll do this. And when that happens, I'm going to do that. And everything was like planned out into the future. And I was always waiting for something to happen before I could do something that I wanted to do. And now I'm like, you know, you want to do it? If you can do it, do it now. Don't wait and don't, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before we started. And so I think it's really important for people to not put things off and enjoy your life because at the end of the day, no one knows what's going to happen for any of us. And it's really just important. Every It comes back to enjoying each and every single day. If I would blow off a Monday and say I'm tired and it's raining and this is a horrible day and I just want to get through it, I don't do that anymore. I'm like, this is a great Monday, Hmm. you know, and just enjoy it and soak it up and find something and it reverberates through your circle, right? Like my husband now is like, we're going on the vacation. Yeah. I don't want to hear that right. you don't have time for right. that. <laughs> you need that extra day. And we're going to go. I mean, we travel more. We do more stuff. Um, life seems packed. Mm. Your husband was your biggest support. How did he deal with it? Well, interestingly, he really felt like I was going to come through. Mm. despite stage three he was optimistic too and he was very supportive but if i got a little whiny he'd be like what what What? come on now get it together we've we've got a job to do here let's go and so he was always like supremely normal Mm. it wasn't like oh Mm. there was no you know like right and, and he did stuff for me like you know when you have a mastectomy you have to do all this silly nonsense around your breast and they're tubes and things changing the drains he he was like i can do that i'm happy to do that oh. he it, david i love you oh. i love you very much gosh i mean jackie i don't know if you you told me that you had a story where you were with someone for a very long time and he wasn't there for you and that breaks my heart yeah it's it's tough and i don't blame him for it i just think that people's level of, you know, how they process something like this is different. We're all different. Um, But then it's funny because I, my best friend was in Brazil at the time during the pandemic and he flew home and he, you know, when I wasn't able to, my family's in New Jersey, so I was able to spend some time with them, but I still had to be in the city for a lot of things too. And I just needed a babysitter. I just needed someone to hold my hand. I've never had that in my life. I'm very independent. I'm very good on my own. Like, and I just needed someone to watch a movie with me or take a walk with me in the park. And, you know, everyone's built differently. Some people can do it. Some people can't. Like Jerry said, some people are scared of it. Maybe right. it was that. Yeah. You know, who knows? Um, but having said that, you do find the people who can be there and can give you the support that you need. And that's what's so amazing about life, I think. Mm-hmm. You get the things you need when you need them. Yeah. And it kind of, I always say that storm rolls in and it can be devastating, but sometimes it clears a path mm-hmm. for something yeah. else that you never realized, right? Absolutely true. Yeah. I think, you know, 
what's the old saying? The slates fall from your eyes. Like you see, now yes. you see, right. now you understand what matters what's important, who should be at your side, how important they are, what you need to do to keep them close, right? Uh, it's really like a call to reason almost. And it really just opens up your world. I think, I I don't know if other people are like this, but I have this tendency to burrow down and burrow down and limit and limit and limit who I'm talking to, what I'm doing. Just I need to focus. I've got to get down and get this story done. And all of that went away. Hmm. And that was scary. Yeah, because that's the way you've been your whole entire life. And something like this really, it you're naked in a way. Like you don't have yes. all of those other things that you relied on all this time, right? You're like, I just need the bare necessities to get through, mm -hmm. right? What's your advice for women um, to take care of themselves, put themselves first? So this is particularly a problem for women who are working moms, women who have a lot of responsibilities of any sort. I see this all the time. They're like, I'll get it next week, next year, next month, the tests. I'll see my doctor later. You know, you can't help your family or your business or your career unless you're healthy, yeah. right? So if, if you can't think about it as, I've got to take care of me, then think about it as I've got to take care of the people in my world and do it for that reason. Mm -hmm. But um, don't be scared. There are people out there. You, you know, you can make this through. We are living examples, the three of us, uh, that it is possible to survive and thrive and be better coming out. That was like the weird thing about it for me. It was like, ah, I came out on the other side and I like myself better. Wow. Um, and I think I was just easier to live with, too. I was mm. a better human being. So I'm not saying you need to get breast cancer, for goodness sakes. That's not my message. But my message is you can survive and thrive and and have an influence on other people, too. The thing that is most important, Janice, for me to do now that I enjoy the most, that I get the most out of is doing the mamma van, mm. is doing the breast cancer stuff, is giving back. That is so much more meaningful to me than the latest, you know, earnings report, right? Mm -hmm. It just it just fills me up. Mm -hmm. What do you say, Jackie? I mean, you're somebody that's taken care of yourself your whole life. You're mm -hmm. a healthy person. You exercise. I mean, you were already doing it. You were already taking care of yourself. You're, yeah. you're doing everything by the book. I had the medical checklist. I went to every appointment. And, and all I can advise people is to try to do that. Do the best you can every day to take care of yourself. Make sure that you see your doctors. Jerry, I still have that um, feeling that you mentioned about some of the people you were treated with. I still worry that one cell, even without two breasts, that one cell did get away. And maybe it's somewhere else now. And mm -hmm. you wake up with that feeling every day. Um, but I talk to the doctors and they're like, there are tests and there are signs and there are symptoms and we've got you on a plan and we've got you. So you don't need to worry about that the way you're worrying about it. And I think that's what, you know, what is so important, just making sure that we are proactive about our healthcare and taking care of ourselves if you don't, if you don't make time for it, obviously. Mm -hmm. Can I add just one thing too? Yeah. So your body tells you stuff mm -hmm. all the time, right? My nipple was inverted and I wasn't listening. Okay, there were signs probably before that that I never heard. You've got to know your body and listen to it. You have a pain, you hurt, do something about it, mm, right. right? Don't just like push it aside. That's the easy thing to do. Do the hard thing. Go to the doctor. 
And then there is that moment where you are the one that somebody looks to for the advice, right? So for me, it was Neil. And then since then, I mean, I don't know how many people I've had either on social media or people in this building or even on the street. I have MS and I see you and you give me hope. You know, like that to me is like the greatest gift of all. Yeah. And I'm sure that you... I mean, you did that with Rachel Campos Duffy. She never had had oh a, my Lord, in, have a mercy. in the elevator. The woman had never had a mammogram. <laughs> I almost fell down on the floor when she told me that. And I said, you know, we're bringing a van in here. We'll, we'll put you at the head of the line. And she was like, oh. And you could tell, like, it was something she had just lost track of, right? Well, yeah. But she got one, so she's good. And that's yeah. she'll keep up with it, I'm sure. But yeah, there is a community out there, right, mm-hmm. of women who have been through these things. And it's so funny because when I was in treatment, for example, I'm sitting in a restaurant with my husband and I have no hair mm. and I'm just doing it right. I know, you know, like I think Did I you might wear have, a wig or anything. I wore a wig for a while, but okay. then it was like, who is this woman? I don't know who she is. And it feels like you have a dead possum on your head if you've ever <laughs> worn one of those. It's just the worst. So, you know, I, I eventually kind of came out on Kennedy's show here yep. with hair that was literally a quarter inch long. And I felt so great. You did. And in that restaurant that day, I think I was wearing a hat at the time, but you could tell I had no hair, right? This woman comes over to me, squeezes my hand and says, you're going to be okay. Mm. Out of the blue. Oh, my gosh. Happened all the time. Yeah. And people still talk to me about it. It's just. I don't know what to say. Jackie. Oh, girl. <laughs> well, it's still so new for Jackie, I feel. But that's the, there is going to be a day where someone's going to come up to you and say, you know, you inspired me and because you're doing okay, I'm doing okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't have the treatment you had, so I didn't have the hair loss, but I did having the double mastectomy and then I had reconstruction and I kind of feel like I've been through this journey. I mean, it's only been roughly a year. And I talked about it last year during Breast Cancer Awareness Month when I was still waiting to be reconstructed. Um, So it was all really raw then. But now as I've sort of settled in, you know, there's a part of me that feels like some days, um, you know, I'm like, feel like I've had been amputated. Mm. And that these (laughs) breast implants are like a foreign, I don't even know what they are and they feel weird and I would have never chosen to have them. But, But for this experience happening to me. And so... It's um, it's a day by day, get used to it kind of thing. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, it's just weird. This is why you need to go get your mammogram because you don't want to go there. <laughs> it's just oh. very strange. On the, okay, but I'm going to tell a funny side to this. Yes. Is that okay? Of course. So uh, I'm seeing the guy who does the boobies early, early on, <laughs> right after diagnosis. And he's just this handsome. Is there a guy? Handsome drink of water, a doctor. There are doctors that just do, do that. breast reconstruction okay. for yeah. cancer patients. Mine was a specialist in it. Amazing people. Mm. Just. So I go in to see him, and he, we're deciding how we're going to treat this and everything. And he, and he, you know, they take pictures of you. Yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> so embarrassing awkward. and awful. And so he comes out, and he says, I want you to see a book. And so he shows me pictures of ladies' chests. <laughs> These women have the biggest boobs I've ever seen. <laughs> and he turns to me and he says, 
Jerry, we really can't reconstruct boobs as small as, small, as yours. Right, right. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my. But was he kind of like, did he have a smile on his face? No, or? no. This was just like business as oh. usual for him. <laughs> and I burst out laughing. And he said, I said, are you going to make them bigger? And he said, yes. And I said, woohoo. So that's what happened. I mean, that's embarrassing, but it's oh, true. Oh, that's a good story. Oh, I don't even... You ladies are really inspirational. <laughs> I'm not going to ask to see the boobies. <laughs> I'm not. Sh- I don't. I don't take pictures. No. <laughs> oh, but you're beautiful, inside and out. Thank you, Janice. Um, and October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yes, right? ma'am. Get on it. The time is now. Mm-hmm. Think pink. How do you do it? What do you do? You just go to your primary care f- physician. Say I-, I need to get a mammogram. And uh, they will help you connect with a clinic where you can do it. And it doesn't take much time. Go in, get it done. D- you know, like, don't obsess over it. Just, it's a checklist. Yeah. Agreed. That's number one. I think that's the number one messaging out there, that it doesn't have to be, you know, genetic. It doesn't have to be in your family. It can happen to anybody. And that's why people shouldn't, um, you know, think, oh, this doesn't apply to me. I'm mm. good in this category. You just never know. So it's better to be proactive. Any bucket list things that you still have to do that you want to share? So it's mostly travel. Okay. Um, so there are places I want to go. Like? We've done a lot of Europe. We're doing Ireland. There's. I want to go to Japan someday. And oh, I think wow. like China, Like I need to get out and see things, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Um, I'm, I'm writing a book and that's wow. going to be exciting. So um, there's Very lots important. of things, lots of things going on. Good. Jackie. I have focused on, um, I traveled a lot when I was younger in school and whatever, lived all over the world. And so I've actually turned inward in some ways because I've been out so much um, and I'm focusing on my home and home base and I want to get a dog and, you know, yes, I, yes, yes, I spend dogs. a ton more time with my family than I used to. We all used to be these like, oh, we're busy, we're busy, we're busy. And you know, it's really important to just make time to be together. Um, and so these are the kinds of the relationships in my life and, and some of the root building that I didn't do earlier on. Mm-hmm. Oh. And we love where we work. That is d- for sure. But I don't put my emphasis on career like I used right. to. Amen. Right. Yeah. Work's important. And it definitely pays the bills, and that's important. But having said that, it's not everything. Right. And if you're a business out there or somebody that, you know, leads a bunch of people, just be more empathetic. You know, if something happens to them, like, let them breathe. Ask them what they need instead of when are you coming back. Um, I mean, you can't. I mean, I feel so lucky that I work here. The experience with Fox was fantastic for me, and I frankly was blown away by it. And it's one of the things that helped me recover because there was no pressure from work. Yeah. It wasn't anything I had to worry about. It was off to the side. Yeah, You know, people, I mean, I felt an urgency to get back, but they were like, fine, yeah. no, get better. They said the same thing to me. Take as much time as you need. The funny thing for me was that I got... I mean, lying on the couch is not something I'm used to doing, and I'd started getting a little tedious. So I actually came back really quickly when I was still in bandages. There was 
no uh, painkiller like the adrenaline of sitting to do a show. Mm. I mean, it put the Valium and the Oxycodone to shame. And so I stopped with all the medicines and whatever, and I just came straight back to work. And I, I threw myself into it because for me, that it helped. That worked. But everyone is different. And they, they said, you know, you don't have to do this. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm not. I know that. I'm doing it for me. And they said, then you do you. If it's helping you, great. Good. I love you all. Love you. You're love the you, best. Janice. You're setting good examples. You're superheroes. And we are grateful and so thankful. So are you. Aw. And I feel blessed to know you both. Mwah! Go get your mammograms. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry and Jackie. You're both so brave and beautiful. I appreciate you sharing your stories with all of us. I know that your experiences will encourage others to make their mammogram appointments today. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. <laughs>